This is Shaka Wart Speak. So let that ride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we uh, we we uh, we've apparently developed a brand for just starting, like, kind of in the middle of things. Yeah, mid conversation. Oh. Yeah, it's kind of like a painting that goes off. <laughs> like the composition goes off both sides, so it yeah. alludes to something outside the frame. That's how we like to do our podcast. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Okay. So it's just a chunk of a larger thing. So. Yeah, I mean, there was, I think there was a podcast episode where we were talking for like eight minutes and then we were like, oh, hey, welcome. <laughs> we're, yeah, we we're, forgot. We're in it now. Yeah, we forget that we're doing it. Then we're like, well, let's just go with it. It's better that way. Um, it's all about not editing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because we're volunteering and 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 very lean. <laughs> yeah, it's, and all it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. So if we can streamline it. Great. Thank you. Great. Hundred percent. All right. Well, welcome to Shock Art Speak. Hey, everybody. It's Gareth, Doctor Snacks, Mel Blackwell. Um, <laughs> it's just getting more complicated. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's, you know, he he did do that research in Florida. He's and we still have things to talk about with that, but we won't go into that today. I know no. people still want to hear about that. We're also on pause from our entrepreneurship mm-hmm. series, but I I got a feeling there's some relevance in the in the room as far as like some of what that conversation's about. Yeah, the reality of it is, is that the spirit of that. You're talking to any artist or designer, entrepreneurship's never really too far away from that conversation. In some kind of way. Yeah. yeah. Dirty negative connotations aside. Oh, right, you know, right. Yeah. Um, so who do we have here today? You want to um, introduce? Well, I'm Dr. No, I'm, um, so we got Jennifer. She's great. And I don't want to small. Yeah. <laughs> Jennifer small. Yeah. I don't want to give away uh, too much because, you know, you introduce somebody and then it's the awkwardness of like, hey, can you tell us about yourself now that we've just <laughs> after told I've told us. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but I would say just just from my uh, just from um, a little like backstory of uh, like how I understand that kind of the relationship started um, was something really cool that uh, at least as far as the time that I've been at Shock Art Space, I haven't experienced is that we received this fantastic little book and it was like, hey here's a bunch of my work. And it's like, this is great. You know, it's like, usually you can like scroll through Instagram, get a pretty good feel. But it was, it was one of those nice things where it's like, what is this? A, is this an analog tactile thing? <laughs> yeah. I get to hold this in my hands. And, and I'm like, like, there's something about it. We're both, what is it bibliophile where you, you're, yeah. yeah. So Gareth and I are like, uh, book hoarders. Yeah. So that's a good way to put so it. So I was like, oh, this is working on multiple levels because I want to hoard it. So then we got her to send a second one to us. <laughs> no, I actually did lose the first one. I don't know. I don't know where it went. So we got a second one. Um, and yeah, I actually was like looking and you had you're someone that um, applied to a show back in the day. And like I messaged you in 2019. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. I saw this email. I forgot like pre yeah, pre COVID yeah. pre. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there's like some kind of this, this is like long overdue. <laughs> So I was going to say, we, we've, had a, we've had a large uh, incubation period for this relationship. <laughs> yeah. So it's good to finally have you in, in the flesh. And the other day, it was a, just to throw this out there to start the conversation, it was a joy to hang the show. Um, and not just Thank because you. how beautiful your work, your work is, but um, it, it just was a good time, a lot of fun. And uh, the gallery looks better now because Way your work's better. on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, thank you. But yeah, before we get too far afield, I guess we should actually uh, let folks know some information about you. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, what's your what's your five minute elevator pitch of of who who you are? <laughs> who are who are who you? Are you? <laughs> yeah, who are you? Um, wow, five minutes. Okay, so um, I am an abstract painter. Um, I also have a job as a designer, um, a digital designer. Um, and I've been working as, as a designer, um, as like 
my quote unquote day job, I guess, uh, for the last few years, uh, six years or so. And then, um, prior to that, I was, um, an art teacher. So I taught, um, high school, uh, mostly for about 10 years. Um, but I've always been painting. Um, I have, uh, uh, an MFA, um, in painting from SCAD from, um, about 10 years ago. And I've just, I've just fell in love with painting, um, at a young age, um, like middle school, high school. I did my first oil painting as a, as a 10th grader. And from then I was just like, I was hooked. Um, and it's just a passion and I've, I've been doing it for, um, for a long time now. And, um, I fell into abstraction late in undergrad, um, and just kind of absorbing things that are around me, um, just everyday objects, um, things that were still life items in the painting studio and like just dissecting them or repeating them to create like new spaces, I guess. Um, and then that kind of led into, um, doing a lot of like still lifes or like sculptures of, of, um, just found objects, trash, basically, um, little pieces of like, um, you know, bottle caps and like pieces of cardboard and, and just like wire and things like that. And then using those as my abstractions. Um, and then that kind of led into the work that I'm doing now, um, which is very narrative focused, even though it's abstract, um, which I came to in graduate school, actually when I was taking a narrative painting class and I wanted to challenge myself to make narrative abstractions. So I tried to kind of record, um, my day, um, in just interesting things that I saw. So, you know, parts of shadows or parts of buildings. And, um, I was living in Savannah at the time. So it was just a rich environment of, of textures and colors and, you know, pieces of things and, um, you know, everywhere. So I just started, um, kind of journaling my day and then taking those pieces and creating, um, kind of time-based abstractions, um, based on, you know, just things that I was seeing, like walking around or walking to work or, you know, going to the studio or whatever. So then they became kind of my, daily journal, I guess. Um, and that's how I kind of work still today. So I, I collect pieces of things and then kind of in a collage manner, mm -hmm. kind of take and like create drawings. And then from those drawings, make collages. And then those become my, um, kind of the basis of my compositions. So, um, that's kind of where I am at this point with my work. Yeah. So, so going back, um, when, when did you start painting? Like you said, but like a little more about when you started painting, like how, yeah, how did that so, happen? Um, was there support for it? Like, oh, you know, were you for sure. Yeah. Like, um, going, you know, even further back, um, my family is super supportive. Both of my parents actually went to art school. Okay. Um, wow. That's great. In the, so this would have been like late seventies, early eighties. Um, mm -hmm. and my dad studied graphic design and my mom studied interior design. Wow. So they went to, um, like, uh, it was an academy that was like an associates program, um, you know, back then. And, um, so we, we grew up, me and my, my siblings grew up, you know, always drawing, always like 
making things. I mean, around the house, even like, you know, Halloween costumes or like, you know, like anything like that school projects, Mm -hmm. like it was always very like hands on, like in Mm -hmm. making like anything, like regardless, um, you know, my mom was like sewing like pillows and like thing, you know, like it was always that like tactile, like Mm -hmm. supportive, like hands on, like making, um, you know, snow forts and like everything was just like building and, and making, um, from a super early age. So I was very supported, um, in, in like a creative path and, and my siblings too, my, my brother went to, um, he is a painting, he's a painter as well. He went to, um, he got his MFA. My sister is in like communications and like public relations and that kind of field. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was super supportive. So as soon as I, was in school, like school age, like I was so interested in art and like, you know, we had our small town had actually really good, um, you know, arts and music programs in the schools and stuff like that. So we all three played instruments. We all like were involved in the arts and just like, I mean, went field trips, like they took us up to New York. We went, you know, like it was like, it was a very like arts, and creative making like kind of so that's sort of the air it was like so it's more like a get like the air you breathe and not, yeah yeah so you're not even necessarily thinking like i'm getting so it's like the, it's just the air you're breathing oh yeah for yeah. sure like you know we were i mean that's like all we knew kind of yeah. you know and and i mean even you know cooking and making meals like everything mm-hmm. was very like um uh, you know, hands-on and, and very like, um, like a maker's mindset. Was it, was it organic in, in a way? Do you feel like your parents, I always, we, we have these conversations because our kids are growing up in yeah. homes where we're, we're kind of like the, the, your parents in the sense that sure. our kids are growing up in these homes where we're doing all this stuff and we're, and it's a given and we're making things all the time. And, um, and I've tried to not pressure them, like, like right. force them to do it. I'm always like, if you want to like, I don't, I'm almost, I've almost been hands off too much. Right. Cause my kids would be like, can you show me how to do this? And I'm like, oh, that's right. Like I could show you that, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, cause I just don't yeah. want them to feel like I gotta, I gotta be an artist. Oh you know? yeah. No, it, it wasn't, it didn't feel like that at all. It was more like, um, them like kind of helping and, um, you know, assisting and like, oh, I have this, I have this downstairs that this could help this like material or Mm -hmm. or supply or Mm -hmm. like or we could turn this from the garage into this like to make you know to like fit the bill or whatever um so i think it was more like um just like they were almost like a resource Mm. in a way of like how to do you know the the school project that we needed to do or like Mm -hmm. come up with a costume that we needed for like something or whatever so um yeah so so it was it was just a really cool like environment i guess yeah it sounds like it yeah so how so how painting then so of all the things because you could sculpt you can right you're i mean you're in this environment where probably music everything is up for grabs and possible Mm -hmm. so how, how do you how do you come to painting specifically so yeah i mean i guess um my my art teacher in high school introduced us to oil painting um probably and and me looking back as a high school teacher myself i would have never gave given ninth or tenth graders oil paint but (laughs) but she but she did i mean she did and she she broke down like 
the solvents and the mediums and the and the mixing and the um you know and and from from that point forward it was it was just um and of course it was it was observational stuff you know mm-hmm. like we we went out and like and that was the other thing like she sent us out around the school to like take photos of whatever pretty much mm-hmm. whatever we wanted and and then we you know worked from photos and things like that and and this this um student at the school had this old um kind of older like vw bug that was like the old style and i just thought it was like the coolest car so that's what i painted so i took these like photos of this like baby blue like volkswagen beetle and and that's she was like great do that you know and it was very like and she's like well you know you know use this use some paints gray and some white to get the to get the reflections or whatever. So it was very like, um, I guess just the tactile quality of the paint and like the, the process Mm -hmm. of like mixing and like, and, you know, thinning it out or making it thicker and Mm -hmm. like the layers. And, and it was just, I I think, yeah, it was just like the process in general. And I, and I think from that point forward, I I was just like, that's it. Like, I, I mean, and drawing played a huge role as well. Like, I mean, drawing was was super important um, throughout, you know, from the get go, like all the way through. Um, but yeah, that just the the painting and, and the process, and and I think it was it was a slower process with oil paint, but it was it was super satisfying. Like yeah. in the end, like once mm-hmm. you got to to where you thought you were, you know, wanted to get to, it was like. It was that like aha moment, yeah. I guess. And it's that immersive thing too. I mean, I was, I mean, I got, I, I feel like I relate in the sense that when I started oil painting, this is how I started painting first and foremost, really. I did some watercolor and things like that, but I was a drawer mm-hmm. and like, you know, like a photorealist drawer. And then, um, but there was the thing about the process, the thicking and the, it's like cooking, mm-hmm. you know, you cook, yeah. you smell, you can, you got senses, like all your senses are activated. You're embedded in the process. And then, and there's something really satisfying on multiple sensory levels in the experience of doing that. Mm-hmm. And then that became like the thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it was that process of, of using like bigger brushes at first and the, and the thinning, you know, kind of like marking stuff out and in a faster way and then like slowing it down. And then, you know, like mm-hmm. that, like push and pull of like the speed too, like mm-hmm. the, the kind of like thin washes and then you're like layering and layering and the brushes are getting smaller and smaller maybe or, or whatever. But it, it was that like kind of process, like from like big to small, I mm-hmm. guess too, like really fascinates me. Yeah. 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 That definitely comes through in your work. <laughs> the, the scale thing is crazy in your work, um, which we'll get to. Uh, what do you yeah, got? I was going to say, you, you talked about, um, you know, like, field trips and things like going to the city and mm-hmm. doing stuff like that. And was that like um, stuff kind of initiated like by your parents? Was that like school? Was it both? And what sort of uh, like exposure or impact do you, do you feel kind of came through with that? Yeah. So um, the school system was super into field trips. Um, and, and I didn't, again, it's like something I didn't realize until I was a teacher mm-hmm. that like where I first worked, school uh, field trips were super rare um which made me as a teacher like want to want to organize field trips and get Mm -hmm. my kids um 
my students um, into, you know, museums and things. So yeah, the, the school system was really great about, I mean, even from a, a elementary school, like all, all the way up. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, we were in South Central PA. So we were, you know, we were close to DC, we're Baltimore, we would go up to Harrisburg, we would, you know, in, in high school, um, they, we had trips where, you know, when I was uh, in the band, so like they took us up to Canada, they took us to Atlanta, they, I mean, we were like, wow. I mean, just like load up the bus and like <laughs> head out. I mean, and then when um, we in the the more art focused ones, it was like, um, you know, we asked our teacher basically like, can we help organize and raise money and go to New York? Because we could get there and back in a day, you know, well, it wasn't yeah, yeah, yeah. it wasn't like impossible. So like we, you know, at one point we chose the museum we wanted to go to. We chose the that we wanted to go to the Empire State Building and at in the morning and do the museum in the afternoon and whatever. So um, and then in, in undergrad, they well, organized bus trips as well to New York. So we would go see shows and things like that. So um, so it was I, I guess it was like a little bit of both. And then like my, my parents would take us, I mean, yeah, like we were in DC, we were in Baltimore, like we, you know, we would, um, we didn't venture to like Philly or Pittsburgh too much cause it was a little further, but, um, even like Frederick, Maryland, or like mm -hmm. we were, you know, like in that like corridor where, um, you know, we would come down to like colonial Williamsburg and we would, mm -hmm. you know, we'd be in Gettysburg at the battlefield. And like, it was very like, we were in a area, I think, that it was easy to just like jump on the highway and like be yeah, at these like places. Yeah, yeah. To, to really, really site specific places with. It's yeah. Hu I mean, yeah, proximity is huge. I, yeah. It's funny, like, I don't, because I've worked for schools and I've taught as well. <clears> and like, we didn't go on, as a teacher, we didn't go on many field trips. Mm -hmm. um, but when I was in elementary school, yeah, we, I, like, yeah. it's like jarring my memory. I'm like, oh my gosh, we went Same on thing. so many field trips. Yeah. And I remember like always the angst of making sure my parents would sign the permission slip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I didn't miss out. You didn't I, want to be sitting in the cafeteria on the Yeah, just by yourself or yeah, sitting in yeah, the office man. with a principal or something <laughs> weird. Was in the guidance counselor's office all day. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I, I yeah, my, they take us to the like LA art museums and uh, like the Arm and Hammer. And, and, uh, and I just, I have this like strong memory of, um, just being a total, totally hyperactive kid oh. <laughs> and not being able to control myself and then touching the art. And, oh. uh, um, my teacher warned me and saying, if you, I've probably showed this before, if you, if you do it again, yeah. you're going to have to hold my hand. Yeah. And I was probably like 10, yeah. nine or 10, maybe eight, something like that. Old enough that it was really embarrassing. Oh yeah. And so I did it again. Yeah. And she was like, well, you lose. And she grabbed my hand and I was just like, I, I can see my son all over in my mind doing like, I'm like, oh my gosh, he, he and I are the same. So anyhow, I have these memories of like, it's weird to be an artist now and actually have those experiences because mm -hmm. like, you're like, I, I want to touch that. Yeah. And it's like, there was a real reaction there. It just wasn't yes. enculturated properly to yeah. say, no, don't touch it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It was weird. I mean, growing up, so I'd lived um, about an hour and a half outside New Orleans. And so it was always mm -hmm. the place you went. And it was about two and a half hours to Jackson, the capital of Mississippi. So you had these spaces that you could go to mm -hmm. about 30, 45 minutes to Mobile, Alabama. So there were spots where there was a lot of historical stuff, um, you know, like early exploration of North America sites. But it, it was always 
it was always normal, but I think looking back, it's kind of strange mm-hmm. um, that, you know, like in fourth, fifth or sixth grade, you're going on these field trips and like the purpose is to go just to an art museum. Mm-hmm. And I say it's strange because like, I don't wait, does that happen still? Yeah. I, I mean, I was, I was at a museum once with my daughter on a Friday during the school year and somebody at the, working at the museum was like, it must be nice to skip school. And it's like, no, this is, this is school today. Like this museum is school today. Yeah, yeah. This, yeah. Is, a, this is important, and it's also central to your mission. So, yeah, that's a weird statement to hear from you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's almost like I mean, I don't know. It's a question, even all you know, out there listening. Like, do people still do this? Do you still go on field trips to museums in school? Like, yeah. I don't know if that's still a thing. But I know that for me, it, it seemed to be like a formational, foundational sort of thing to have the exposure. Yeah, to real pieces that I wasn't just like seeing on TV, like on a PBS show. Yeah. Right. Or in a book or, yeah. or something. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's way more ra- rare than I thought because I, I stopped teaching high school in 2015, 16. And, um, I, it was in Chicago and I taught, I taught for a bit on this, on the South side of Chicago. And then for a bit, um, in a North suburb in Evanston and, I had students that had never been to the Art Institute of Chicago or have never even been in the loop, like downtown, like, and they were a train ride away. And, and I thought, I just thought that was so unfortunate. Um, you know, and, and I, it, it was just kind of jarring for me, like them being so close, like, 20 minute train ride, you know, and, and, Mm -hmm. and they're like, I've, I've, we don't, I've never been here. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, it's just, it's just crazy. So I think, I think it really depends on the environment and like Mm -hmm. the influence of the people around the students and, and what they find important or, or, Mm -hmm. you know, useful or, or, you know, what they put emphasis on, because I don't think it happens very much everywhere. Yeah, that's yeah. a that's a um, there's the so I I worked at a school called Phoenix High School, which was like a school for like doubly expelled teens. Like they've yeah double offended to the point that they can no longer be in a normal school. And um, they've done some done. These are like rough kids. And um, so I took them once um, to I mean, this was like an hour and a half drive to Los Angeles. Uh, to the museum of tolerance mm. um and then and then to like an art museum and then to uh beverly hills and these are these kids are bloods and crips these are oh, okay yeah like, this is like this is like these are these are like they're like my pals but like they were rough but the so the interesting thing is um for a lot of them I, I, this is a corny lord of the rings quote but you know there's the point uh where they're like this is it you know, the this next is the step. furthest I've ever been from yeah, the Shire. This is the furthest. Mm. There's a in the like, just take the movie. If you, there's a point in the movie where he walks and he's like, "This is it." If I, the next step is the farthest I've ever been, and like they had that, and so for them it was it was like seeing everything was secondary to just getting out of the neighborhood, mm-hmm. like to like so like getting on the freeway, being in the van, passing a certain threshold already is like a gigantic effect on the the mind and so like because now you're disassociated with your surroundings and there is the truth that like you know depending on how how you're being led in that occasion like these kids um 
we're less inclined to default to their their kind of standard mode of operation mm-hmm. because they're just in such an entirely new environment. It was it was an overwhelming opportunity to just be a little different because mm-hmm. no one's watching them. You know, right. the, the standard pressures aren't there, mm-hmm. and it's like a reprieve from from normal life, which is really hard. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was it was impactful. It was impactful for me to see it, and and, and then I was like, oh yeah, I, I kind of remember this because I I'm, I I always got excited about the stupid bus ride. You know, like, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. the bus ride was like, yeah, yeah. Just not being around your parents was great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or or where lunch was going to be yes. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The you proposition know. of possibility. Yes. And then and then so then everything else becomes like the museum for me and like and even for these guys like the museums and everything else was like secondary. But they were in you know which is interesting is like we catch there's there's direct teaching and then there's what's caught, and uh, and so like the the caught part was foregrounded. So they're just vicariously catching all this mm-hmm. it's not necessarily being taught to them but they're absorbing it and um so it's a stag- staggering uh prospects so if like you're in the south side of chicago and knowing knowing some of the difficulties in chicago right now yeah know, historic historic difficulties i mean were you dealing with some of those difficulties as a teacher oh oh yeah yeah i was i was only in this high school for um a semester actually because i took over for someone who left partway through the year and then my position um, at the end of that year went away. Mm. Like they um, went from two art teachers down to one. Right. Um, so I, it was it was an insane environment. Um, it, I mean, th- these kids were coming from all over the place. I mean, they a lot of them had kids of their own that they were like trying to get to a family member or daycare in the morning Mm. before they were like trying to get to Mm -hmm. school. And, um, I mean, I would start the day like first period with four kids or something Mm -hmm. because like it was, it took so much to get get there just to get there. And then, um, you know, just to learn, just to learn about, what they were going through, like what they had to do and Mm -hmm. like the, you know, the jobs they had or like the fact that they like weren't, weren't eating or weren't, Mm -hmm. you know, like just like all, I mean, anything you can imagine, like, um, what happened over the weekend and, Mm -hmm. you know, if there was a, if there was a shooting, if there was this, if the, Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it was just, it, it just, I mean, it just like sucked the the life out of me, honestly. Like mm-hmm. it, it, it was so hard to to hear. Um, but then there were these like kids that were like these shining lights, and and you know, and and these like super positive like would come in and like, hey, you know, like mm-hmm. so excited, like so. Mm-hmm. It, it was just such a um, was such a interesting environment um to to just be you know be a part of and 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 witness and um yeah it was yeah i guess i'm i'm I, re- I mean maybe i can relate a tiny bit because i i um in this school i worked i started an art program and um there were every there's every kid that the last thing they're going to be able to do is muscle up any energy to like actually do work. Oh yeah. Because of like what it takes to get to school for every reason that you just described. Mm-hmm. But then there is like a trickle effect of like kids that started to get interested, interested in the arts. Mm-hmm. And, um, once I, I, I just remember like I had one student who got some esteem outside of this, this school. 
and uh, some awards, like it, like it, like rippled effect to the other kids, mm. and it, it, they're like, it created a culture of like, um, there's something of value for the arts mm-hmm. became less, uh, you know, unimportant, and became just a little more important gradually. Mm-hmm. But the difficulty of of being the teacher and trying to reconcile, like, I'm going to teach you, <laughs> I'm going to teach you how to draw shapes today or something. Yeah. And I know what you're coming from yeah. is like really hard. It, it confronts your own um, kind of beliefs about things and, and your own priorities, you know. Oh, for sure. And, and about what you're choosing to even introduce to that or, yeah. or like what you're even choosing to try to like get them to do, yeah. you know, and and yeah, it and and the you know the supplies were very minimal yeah. like i mean it was just like all the uh, there it's was broken like crayons, yeah computer I mean, paper basically <laughs> yeah i mean it was like so many things um kind of stacked against them yep. and it's like you you wonder like i still wonder what what some of them are doing now you know how many years later and um yeah it's it, it was just a very um tough environment yeah and so this is before you did your mfa or after after okay so yeah so i did so my first five years of teaching was outside of dc so Mm -hmm. i was in southern maryland um and i think like three and a half four years in i decided to apply to graduate school um and i only applied to programs that had an online component and a summer residency because i thought i need to stay teaching a teacher mm-hmm. in order financially to yeah. to do this. Um, so at the time I really only applied to Micah and SCAD yeah. um, because they had those yeah. like that program or that type of program. And um and I I mean ultimately I mean I chose SCAD. They they actually had scholarships for teachers. So they they fashioned this type of program mm-hmm. for people who were maybe not right out of undergrad, like they were yeah. a little bit more professional um, and, and they needed this type of um, online component to mm-hmm. to continue doing what they were doing like yeah. professionally. Yeah. Um, but it was awesome. So I, I ended up getting, you know, some scholarship money and um, and it worked out really well. And then after the first year of being online in the summer residencies, I actually found a kind of a loophole in a way um at the school district I was teaching at where and my roommate suggested it to me at the time that I could take a leave of absence mm-hmm. for a year for a certain they had a certain con- conditions that you could you know military you know they were like these certain conditions that you so could, you joined the military no, no I'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> but one of them was I know really that would be a crazy sight but um <laughs> but uh so I, one of them was to continue your education. So I applied for this and my principal at the time thought it was like the greatest idea, like just to have that opportunity because yeah. she knew I was enrolled already. So mm-hmm. I had done one year mm-hmm. and it was super hard to be a full-time grad student, a full-time high school teacher. Um, so I, uh, she was super on board, you mm-hmm. know, and she signed off on it. And, um, and the deal was, is that you didn't get, so you, you got your leave of absence and you got a guaranteed position in the, in the County when you mm-hmm. came back, but you didn't necessarily get the position that you were, you were wow. previously. So I rolled the dice, you know, and I honestly, I was just using it as a fallback plan because 
I was hoping that after my MFA, there would be more opportunities open up for, you know, teaching at the college level and things like that. So I was kind of just using it as like a back, like plan B, yeah. you know, kind yeah. of thing. Um, and then when I did finish in 2012, um, I did end up going back and they, they put me in an elementary school. So that was a whole, from going from graduate school to an elementary K-5 situation was like pretty jarring, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I did that, um, for a year and, and, and thankfully I had, there were two of us, there were two art teachers because the school was, was large. So, um, thank goodness for, for, um, you know, my, my buddy, uh, Pam, <laughs> um, as, as the, you know, we, we did a lot together. We co, you know, kind of co-taught in a lot of ways and things like that, so shared the load and lesson planning and all that. Um, so that was, that was great. And then after that year, um, my now husband got a job offer in Chicago because he was at SCAD, but he was a year after me. He gotcha. finished a year after me, not a painter, but, um, <laughs> but a designer. And then he, um, then we, we moved to Chicago then after that, that year. Wow. That's mm. interesting. Yeah. I, 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 uh, did, I got my MA and then I ended up doing elementary school teaching, which i never planned. And I was <laughs> got this, this Warhol grant foundation thing. And so I was teaching uh, K through sixth grade and then at a private school called courtyard from, which was K to eighth. Okay. And so it was two days at one and three days at the other. Oh. So it's five days a week. Mm. And, uh, going right from grad school in like a really hard before yeah. I went to VCU. So like I did that for two years and then I went to VCU and did my MFA oh, Okay, but in between those two points. And it was the oddest thing to leave grad school oh. and then be trying to teach little kids. Oh man. It, I actually, in hindsight, I said it was the best thing that happened to me because I was so like tense mm -hmm. and these little kids like softened me up a little bit. Like they were like, yeah. you, you can't be like a jerk to little kids that are so eagerly excited oh, about, yeah. you, you know, but it's stinking hard. I think you it's know, also probably a, like a, a quality thing that you maybe don't even like fully understand on some level. Because they yeah. say that, you know, if, to, if you know, you know that you know something really well if you can teach it to a child. Yes. You mm -hmm. know, and so it's the idea of like coming out of grad school and having that like intense, like, mm -hmm. you know, that that whole vocabulary of grad school, the whole like yeah. air of grad school, everything yeah. that comes along with it, all the stuff that sometimes becomes baggage as you get older, um, all of those things. But then you're like having to translate this to like a second grader. Yeah. yeah who's yeah. like, mm -hmm. I think I just broke something in the back of the room. And you're like, <laughs> uh, yeah, they're but, like but back to still just, life drawing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> No, and that's real, man. I mean, I said it was the best thing that could happen to me because I I learned to teach. It took my training there at, at Sac State and and um, refined it, yeah, and prepared me to actually teach at VCU. Like I would not be successful teaching at VCU had I not worked with these kids at every level. Because you, I go from talking to first graders to fourth graders mm -hmm. and have to adjust mm -hmm. the scale, like teach the same thing but dial it in or down. And then I also learned that people are way more capable. So I naively was having kindergartner up do things that the standards of education weren't doing and they were mm -hmm. successful. So yeah. that was like, Oh um, yeah, we're, we can do more. And that, that carried over into my attitude about, you know, teaching at VCU, but, um, but exhausting. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> exhausting. Sure. I don't know how you did school and taught separately full time. Like that, that just makes me like, it, it was, it was insane. Like, and, and SCAD has, um, 10 week quarters. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was intense, like it was an intensive, mm -hmm. like 
time, you know, it wasn't, I mean, semesters are maybe a little easier, like in a way, because they're, you know, 15, 16 weeks and it's like a little, maybe the pace is a little bit yeah. different, but I mean, we, we were doing 10 week quarters, fall, winter, spring, and then the summer session was only five weeks. Mm. So it was like, you know, Monday mm. through Friday for five weeks. Um, and you know, it was, it was an insane schedule. Um, but, but yeah, I'm not sure how, how many I did peers that. did you have in that program? Like what was your peer group like with that? Um, in that like kind of specific like e-learning program, it was maybe 10 of us maybe mm-hmm. when, when I started something like that. But then some people started. Were they strictly painters or were you in like an interdisciplinary? Oh, no, painting. Thing? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then some people kind of started with us, but then were, were on ground, which was mm-hmm. what they called the kind of full-time residents of, yeah. you know. Um, so, yeah, so then when we, we would like mix in. Oh, when we were online, we were only online mm-hmm. pretty much with our group. But then um, as the program kind of expanded, people on ground started to take online classes for certain things like yeah. um, like the professional practices course or like an art, a contemporary art history course. Like they would ta- they would decide to take online rather than go and sitting mm-hmm. in the lecture hall or whatever mm-hmm. for like courses like that. But um but it, yeah, it was it was intense. I mean, and it was at a time where online learning was not what it is today. Yeah. I mean, it was this was 2010, so mm-hmm. it was like I mean, it was Blackboard was just like kind of popping up, yeah. and like it was it was intense. I mean, we had to do a lot of writing, a lot of responding online, and you know, mm-hmm. critiquing and. Um, photographing our work and posting it and and i mean it was still studio but it was um online you know online yeah. which is yeah, is yeah that, that makes me think uh so i think about the the times where that work has been done in person and sometimes sometimes how you can because of the community aspect of like an in-person classroom sometimes you can kind of get away with like going through the motions because you just kind of can blend into the white noise of the discussion. Yes. Um, and I wonder if there's something about the way that you're talking about, like, do you feel like there was a possibility that like you had to hone things a bit tighter because you couldn't depend on the group to kind of carry you and you didn't feel up to it or, or you'd had a bad day or didn't sleep well or mm-hmm. something like that. Oh, for sure. Like in the whole the whole fact that you had to like, we didn't have zoom. So we weren't like talking to one another. We had to write to one another. Mm -hmm. So I think that was a huge difference in, uh, in person class kind of critique versus online. Because the other thing was we, we were graded per, the amount that we wrote, like, mm-hmm. you know, so, yeah. so like, that's how we were evaluated. So we really had to like sit down and, and, and really like look at the work and respond to the work in a written manner, which you don't normally have to do right. like mm-hmm. in a studio critique in person, like studio. And it's, it's funny. I had the, then the next year I was in person. Mm-hmm. So I was making 
you know, almost twice the amount of work and like doing like really like jumping because I, I didn't have that opportunity before. Like I, I didn't really have a space to work. I lived in a small apartment. I was like making oil paintings in my classroom, like after school, like mm -hmm. I was like, you know, doing all this stuff and, and everyone was like, wow, you're really, you're really here all the time and, and really like making work. And I'm like, well, I didn't have the opportunity before that. Like, and, and it's, and, and that kind of fed into that energy, I think, um, you know, I kind of took the energy that we had to use to, to do all that writing and all mm -hmm. that like reading and, and stuff online and like was able to pour it into more of my, you know, studio practice because at that point it was more focused on your thesis and like mm -hmm. really making work because you had done all the like kind of not general art courses, but like those like art history courses and, yeah. and theory courses and stuff that you had done online. So you had like that energy was then transferred like to be, you know, in, in the studio. I think that's wonderful. You know, cause I, I know that, um, it, my experience in teaching in the university is you, you have, uh, if you get students kind of early in their college career and you have them doing things like some intense writing or things that are not like, like active in their mind, right? right? You get a lot of kind of pushback, like, well, this is taking away from, mm -hmm. you know, my work I need to do here, here, and here. And um, and so they don't understand kind of the continuum of how these things overlap each other and how like being able to elucidate through, through writing actually does enable you to like make better. Mm -hmm. um, it allows you to uh, like have a, almost a posture of, um, uh, critique and correction within your own process and work. Um, but then once you are getting them on the tail end of college, they're like, I don't know how to write. I don't know how to write about my work. I don't, I can't do this. What is it? Right. Um, and it's always a tough place because, you know, you might even work with folks who say things like, Oh, I don't know that writing really has any place within an art curriculum whatsoever. Mm -hmm. It should just be, it should just be a hardcore workshop mentality. Um, and I think it's it's always a fun thing to to talk about, like what that dance looks like and how it works and how it plays out. Because yes, there is the difference of individuals. Some people will gravitate more towards one way or another. But at the end of the day, the uh, the the modes of expression that we're trying to use are not so singular that we can't be we can't benefit from other ways of kind of understanding or approaching the world, um, even outside of the mediums, like moving into mediums that we don't consider necessarily studio art like writing or mm -hmm. you know conversation even mm -hmm. right and those right. are big things so i think it, for that to be a part of that graduate education just it just really is kind of fascinating to me just the way we think about well, it yeah, especially I mean, past post-covid when everything was just yeah. like in your room you know right yeah, by yourself. yeah, yeah, yeah. right yeah having going through that early my wife did a degree that was an intensive a three-year program and so like and she did two of the three years and then uh stopped but um and it was in Los Angeles, so she'd fly out and do these intensives. Oh, but wow. it was like, and it was like CDs to listen to, and you know, CD yeah. lectures, and a message, like a really, really, really. It's like oh seven and oh eight, mm -hmm. oh nine, like, and it was like this goofy message board, and mm, yep. Um, in and there was a trade off. It's like, you know, I was doing my MFA at VCU, and so you're in your studio twenty four seven. You're just in the hallways. You know, you're you're around. Um. And there's the, sometimes there's the stigma of doing the distance. There was the stigma sometimes of like the suspicion of doing an online degree, <laughs> especially like how's it work with a studio artist. But time has shown kind of just getting to your point and kind of what I'm seeing from you is like, 
Um, I saw a lot of people waste a lot of time. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it sounds to me like with you, because of kind of probably how you're constituted and where your desires were at, you were working. I mean, I, I relate to like some of the implications that are bubbling forward. It's like there's like an urgency. Like when you're a, when you're working and you mm. got to pay for it, mm-hmm. you you value your time. You're like, I only got this much time and I don't get to do this. And so in a lot of ways, it seems like the writing and the distance probably stoked the tenacity, like refined your tenacity to like get it, kind of get it done and not belabor things. Oh, for sure. Um, and, you know, in, in the whole the whole thing with, you know, being able to write and like all of that, like foundation, we had to write a thesis paper. I mm-hmm. mean, we, we had to figure out like how to talk about our work and how to like you know, all of that. So it, it, that the writing kind of like bookended the program. And I think, I think too, with the, with the work, you know, when I did go on ground, you know, I, the people who had been on ground the year before, um, yeah, there wasn't, there wasn't that urgency. And, because we had those um, benchmark like reviews where we had to pass in order to be able to do our thesis and things like that. Like, I think that was an urgency Mm. as well, because if you didn't, if you didn't pat, like if you didn't pass through those, you, you had to continue to pay long after you were gone if you wanted to receive that degree like then you had they gave you like four or five years post Mm. to finish your thesis if if you needed it Mm -hmm. but then you were still paying for that like you had to pay like even if you were not there like so then that was an urgency um as as well and and then organizing your thesis show and everything like i ended up doing it the summer of 2012 and they i was almost gonna do it you know come back in the fall to do it, but I would have had to pay for that fall quarter. Mm. And then I was like, I, I'm not going to do that. So I did it in the summer, even though it wasn't, you know, it wasn't as maybe as attended or, Mm -hmm. or as like, it wasn't as much maybe pomp and circumstances there would have been if it were in the fall quarter where, where it was like a busier time and, you know, academically and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I was able to, to walk at commencement and then do my show. I think it was in July or something of that summer. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the urgency for some people just wasn't there and I, and I couldn't figure out why, you know, yeah. like I, I, I was just like, I really struggled this previous year, like to, to get any of this done, you know, and, and you guys are just like kind of yes floating around, you know, <laughs> it's so I, strange. <laughs> I mean, I went through, uh, I went through my MFA and I was like, I drove across the country to be here. Like we are, we left our jobs. Yeah. You know, I had op- like, and we left everything. We were struggling and, uh, I'd be in my studio and I'm like, there's a lot of people like not doing anything, like not reading, like not, it's weird. I like, I was like, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> I was well, pretty bummed. There, there's this thread that kind of seems to be uh, apparent in things. So you, you talk about being a kid and kind of like, being within a context of just like uh, art or creative practice, right? It's just, it's kind of woven into what's going on, you know? So, you know, my wife took up, uh, like a lot of folks did during quarantine, she took up bread baking. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, it's like every day making a loaf of bread and then the kids get involved and they're getting their hands into it and they're figuring it out and they're realizing that like from these meager materials comes something wonderful and beautiful that uh, then 
uh, allows for relationship and connection and community. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's all these great things that happen. So you're having this context. Um, you're you're working while you're going to school. You have this sense of like diligence and stuff like that that's going on. Um, and it just seems like uh, something that we've talked about before on the podcast is like it seems that like um, there's a sense of like almost integration where it's like the that art or creative practice is just it's just part and parcel to your life. Um, and it's not this um, it's not this like unique road sign that you kind of stick in the ground and be like, look at what this is. It's almost like right. uh, do you so do you feel you could is it could you quit it? Could you put it down? Could you walk away from painting, or just from just kind of that water you're swimming in, no. or the air you're breathing, like Ryan said? No, I mean, I, I, I mean, I even as even transitioning from from teaching to design, like you know, it's still using those creative muscles. Like I couldn't, and I, and I've had periods where I didn't have a creative job. Like mm-hmm. I had to work retail or like work, you know, like work these jobs that are just like hourly jobs that, that aren't necessarily like a creative career. Um, you know, and and it, it's, it's tough. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I don't know how, I mean, I wouldn't do anything else, honestly, like in some way, shape or form, like, um, in a creative, like, field mm-hmm. I, I couldn't i couldn't see it now yeah and i think that's that's interesting because i i picked up on something you said early on which was <clears throat> that you had from a young age a passion for painting which is a very kind of particular way to word something um you know because you know my question is like what did that look like like as you move forward in time is it a is it a passion that you realized or like did you know it early on you know, because passion is one of those things that, you know, as three educators sitting around a table, like you can't teach passion. You can kind of flan, fan the flames a little bit, mm-hmm. but mm. but there's got to be that that thing that's there. So, yeah, the question of like, could you quit it? Like if something happened and somebody was like, you just can't do any creative work. Like I, I kind of imagine like a lot of folks who might be listening that like you'd still find some way. It would have to break through in some I'd way. still think about oh, it. Oh, yeah. At a minimum, yeah. I wouldn't be able to stop thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Like right. it's like the way your brain works at some point. Like, so I would still notice, like, even if I'm not make, like somehow it would, yeah. it wouldn't, it wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to separate at this point. Cause I'd still think about it. So even when I like laid things down for like a season, mm-hmm. I thought about it all the time. It's like studio work was kind of happening in my head. I know that doesn't, like it's not like a cop out, but sincerely, like, it's like, it doesn't turn off. It doesn't, it, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I can't turn it off. I mean, yeah. even, even if I'm, like you said, a season where where maybe I'm not producing full blown paintings necessarily, but I'm still like I'm still like drawing in some mm. way or like I'm still like, you know, thinking through things in a sketchbook or something like that. And and yeah, I just I don't think I don't think I can I can't like turn turn that off. Yeah. And that and that's that, that was the feeling I had just from the the kind of vocabulary you were using. It, it, it was seeming that way. And I know that, um, you know, my wife has told me in the past, there's times where I get like, I don't know, pissy or something. And she's like, you just need to like go make something like your problem is that you haven't, that you've just kind of been stuck over here at your desk doing sedentary things. Like there's no yeah. active nature. Mm-hmm. So what, what happens is all the crap in your head just keeps bouncing around in there. And you're mm-hmm. like, when is this going to come out? Um, so when you were, when you were juggling, 
you know, teaching, going to school, like those are two very specific things where mm-hmm. you are beholden to a lot of other people and their demands on your time and even how you make it in what capacity to some extent. Um, how did you handle the potential frustration of like, I have work I want to make, but I may not have the parameters or I may not have the space or, 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 or there may have just been like a, an overwhelming uh, level of constraints there where that may not have been as, as easy to flow out of you. Yeah. Um, I think there was at first, like a, definitely when I was online, mm-hmm. like that first year, um, you know, juggling the classroom stuff and your, you know, my, my, as a teacher stuff. And then, you know, my work as a student, I think that first year was very almost foundational in a weird way, you know, even in an MFA program, because we were, we were kind of exploring a lot of stuff. Like we, we were kind of, we had these kind of things that we had to work through. And, and I was, I was kind of just like trying everything at that point like kind of, kind of floundering in a way because I hadn't come to, like, I was, I was like printing out the photos. Like I was, I was taking, still taking photos at that point, but I was like printing out photos and like cutting them up and like collaging them and like within the paint and then painting on top of these things. And it was, it was almost like, um, this like texture kind of like paper embedded into the paint. And, and, you know, I was just like, trying that. And I was trying these like me, you know, trans photo transfers and things like that. So I was like, I was just experimenting a ton, um, within the constraints of the course, like, you know, just trying to like make as much as possible. And I was lucky because in, in the program I was in, because it wasn't prescriptive, like you have to make this Mm -hmm. like, but it was more like you have to make three in a series of three that, that, um, explores this thing or, or Mm -hmm. whatever. So it was pretty, it was pretty open in that, in that way. Um, it wasn't like, okay, everyone needs to make a landscape or or Mm -hmm. something like that, which, which I was, you know, grateful for because then everyone kind of did their own thing. So like, I remember we were online and this one guy, um, from Southern California, he, he was like, I'm going to make, I'm going to do this project where I'm going to make everyone a t-shirt and I'm going to mail it to you. And then we're all going to, you're going to take a photo of you wearing it. And then I'm going to make this thing from these photos of like everyone, Mm -hmm. like as if we're all together. Like it was just these like things that were like, you know, and and he had a way to write about it and explain Mm -hmm. how it fit the bill kind of. So it was like, it was pretty open in that, in That's that great. sense. I mean, so, um, so that first year was very experimental and I was trying to, you know, I, I still had the work like a lot of times in my classroom. So then my students were seeing and they, they mm. knew I was in school and, and, you know, grad school and stuff like that. So they were able to kind of see what, uh, to a little, little extent, like what I was working on and like my process and things like that. So I think there was a lot of overlap Um, but then that second year when I was in person, like I was really able to like put the teaching aside and like Mm -hmm. really like jump into, to, um, to making work. Gotcha. Yeah. So when you're, when you're making, so in your, in your trajectory, um, which sounds like you have a lot of like self-determination 
motivating the work. I mean, it sounds like you're, you know, you're, you're not necessarily someone who's drawing the majority of what drives you from others necessarily. Like sometimes you find there are students that are like, I'm here because I don't make anything unless I'm in school and I have no motivation for it unless I have an audience. And it seems like you have some internal motivation that's not necessarily contingent upon that. Um, how, how did you, so did you have like, you know, painting heroes or any, any particular professors that you were working with specifically or like, did, was there, was there people you were having more of an acute dialogue with? Was it art historical, like as in like books and painters or was yeah. there, was there anyone that you were? Yeah. I mean the, the group of, um, of profs that I had, um, at SCAD at the time were, were amazing. I mean, the one, the one that really sticks out, um, he isn't, uh, he's at, um, Georgia Southern now, but, um, his name's Jason, Jason Helsher. And he was an adjunct at the time, um, and kind of started our program with us. Like, so that first summer he was like our main guy, like our Mm -hmm. main person with like the drawing courses and the painting courses and stuff. And I'll, into theory like mm-hmm. like he would i mean he would show up with a stack of books like this high to class mm-hmm. and was like okay we're gonna this and this and we're gonna read this excerpt and i mean he was like super into it and mm-hmm. um and just had really insightful things to say like every time he would come in to anyone's studio honestly but like he he could pick out like i like the like the the encouraging, but also like challenging mm-hmm. like thing or, or that would challenge you to like continue to push it. Um, and he was an abstract, he's an abstract painter as well. So I think, um, I think he was just like, especially to the abstract painters were, were was really like, you know, you can, you know, keep going, keep going, you know, pushing it and, and, and trying new things and like, and really like, um, st- for me was like stepping away from like the, being like a, a, a rendering or, mm-hmm. or like, like a, like that modeling kind of idea of like, because I was still working from objects pretty mm-hmm. directly. And he, he was just like, you know, pick up the pace or, or do different things. Or like, I was like putting paintbrushes at the end of yardsticks and like, just like, you know, like loosening up a little bit. And, um, I had switched from oil to acrylic mm-hmm. and I was doing like more with like, inks and like on paper and things like that. So he was really, um, influential in terms Mm. of like getting me to like break away from the object or, or like the still life idea or like dissecting the still life and, and getting into kind of the more conceptual space. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, in the, the professor I had that with the narrative painting class, um, Steve Knutson, I think he's still there. Um, but yeah, he was a very realistic narrative painter, like mm-hmm. these massive, like almost like, fig- you know, figurative in a landscape and this like these like amazing, like detailed like paintings. But he was also a, ri- a writer, like, mm. f- like pretty. I mean, he writes for publications and things like that. So he was very he was very into like figuring out how it was going to be for the viewer to look at your work Mm -hmm. and, and like see what you're seeing in, in your like narrative. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was really, uh, influential Mm -hmm. as, as well. Yeah. Knudsen. 
That's, That's a, a great, great name. Oh, Such a good name. The Big Lebowski. He, yeah, yeah. He says, who the Knutsons? <laughs> oh <laughs> There's that gosh. scene in The Big Lebowski where <laughs> yes. he's like, the Knutsons. So now we he, know where the Knutsons oh are from. Oh, my gosh. Steve Knutson. There it is. He's wild. He's <laughs> right. wild. And yeah, gosh, if you ever met him, you'd be like, oh. but he's he's great. Like, I mean, just super enthusiastic and, and you know, kind of goofy and you know like i actually saw him in chicago once at a um conference at a caa conference and i was like hey steve and he was like almost like kramer and seinfeld like he's kind of like you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and he had his like it was so funny he had his magazines that he had been pub- you know published in and he was like trying to pass like, them out <laughs> yeah that's awesome <laughs> wild vote for Knutson yeah <laughs> vote for Pedro well you're, you're you're talking about um you know kind of like loosening up and having these experimental um this experimental time in grad school and and also the you know growing up in a household where a lot of stuff's going on so I'd like to talk a little bit about like how that I, I don't know maybe it's not as, as stark of a transition but like how how that um how you got into doing design work out of painting and all these other things because you know one of the things one of the reasons we wanted to do this podcast is Mm -hmm. because ryan is a painter and i'm a designer Mm -hmm. and in certain circles within the art world they're supposed to say that we're supposed to hate each other because one of us is wrong right Mm -hmm. um so there's no there's no way for this to have be have a a productive dialogue uh because they're at odds with each other which is garbage, but because um, Gara's a capitalist, no, because <laughs> I just I just want to make f- only functional things. Yeah, and there's yeah, no yeah. beauty involved whatsoever. Yeah. But the uh, so the question I have is like, yeah, where did where did that kind of come from? Where did it stem from? Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned your your husband's a designer, so mm-hmm. is there are there some like fun relational dynamics and how those things interact? But yeah, yeah. Um, so design kind of um, I think it was kind of always in the background for me in a in a weird way, like you know, in, in school and stuff, you're like, you're the person that like designs the t-shirts or, or like the covers for the yearbook when you're like younger and stuff like that. So I think I always kind of had that, like those side projects in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, but when I kind of got to a point with teaching that I, I just couldn't, I couldn't, deal like deal with it anymore um it just got to the point where it wasn't about teaching it and it wasn't about the subject and and it was mm-hmm. just about kind of keeping people happy mm-hmm. in, in a way like um especially with the arts and grading and how that how those two things um I kind do of not, come I do not know what you're Neither one of us about. know you're talking we have about no clue at all. what you mean. We, we don't experience this at all. <laughs> That's sarcasm. It's um, <laughs> you're you're speaking yeah. our, you're speaking to ourselves. Oh right? man, yeah, yeah. When it got to a point where, um, you know, my, the principal was like, "You need to change these grades because they're too low." I was like, "Okay, uh, uh, I'm out." That um, hurts. So, Administrative interference. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so at the my last year teaching. Um, I had new people, I knew, knew people actually that my, um, that my husband works, worked with who, um, transitioned, made career changes by going to, um, a portfolio school. So yeah, Chicago yeah. portfolio school, um, portfolio schools are great. Yeah. They do some that, amazing stuff. that was like my lifeline at the time. And I, um, I got, I kind of got in touch with them and they had, you know, said great things about it. It was one year. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
it, I, you know, enrolled and, um, it was one of the best things I've ever done because I was, it was at night. So I was still, um, teaching part-time mm -hmm. at that last school, um, in Evanston. And then I would go downtown and do the night classes. And it was, it was also intense. I mean, we did about four, I think it was like four courses every 10 weeks or something like that's, that. That's a clip. Like Man. it, it's, it's <clears throat> tough. So we, it was, I think it was, it ended up being about 15 months actually. So it was a little over a year because, um, that last portion they um, kind of set you up with a single instructor to get your portfolio website, you know, everything oh, like yeah, yeah. kind of wrapped up. And then they, they put you in front of um, employers. Mm -hmm. um, so it was very, it was very good in that you got a glimpse into the Chicago kind of scene mm -hmm. because all of the instructors were also employees or yeah. creative directors or, you know, whatever. Um, around the city. So we also got the chance to go into agencies. Like we, you know, had courses at like the FCB and then like uh -huh. we would have, you know, and, and they would come in and like have us in there and they would show us around and like, you know, you got to see the stuff pinned up on the wall and, you know, in process and all that yeah. stuff. Like, and it was, it was such a cool experience. And I think because I was again, kind of on the older side of the mix <laughs> um there were i guess there were five of us that were like design track they had different tracks they had like a copywriting track and they had like i think like an art direction track or something mm -hmm. and um and there were like five of us so we it was a small group we went we did pretty much all of our courses um you know together mm -hmm. um really awesome like hands-on like you know, branding, packaging, typography, like, um, I got, I got like a crash course on all the Adobe programs because mm -hmm. prior to that I had had some like experience, but not, not a ton. Um, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, you were like thrown into that and like, I mean, it was, it was just, it was a sink or swim yeah. moment. Um, because again, I was like, I had the urgency, you know, I was like, it was not, cheap and mm -hmm. it was if you couldn't get it together in the amount of time i mean you continued to be there and pay for it and yeah. you know so um it was it was awesome i mean i got i got a job my first design job two or three months after finishing that's great um at a small shop um in in the city in chicago and we did a lot of um uh, like branding, packaging, like smaller, you know, kind of smaller scale stuff. Mm -hmm. And then um, after about six months, I got um, a role at Crate and Barrel in-house, mm -hmm. um, which was amazing. Like I yeah, was I um, kind of half packaging, half um, uh, like signage, print work, like, mm -hmm. you know, like all that kind of stuff. And they have a fantastic brand. They have a really, oh man, really. I mean, there's, yeah. there's almost nothing except the prices that I don't like about that place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I have a hard time working because I want to buy stuff. I know it's like, yeah, like, yeah. most important question: What's my employee discount? Uh, yeah. yeah, the discount was good. I, I'm That's not gonna awesome. lie. Um, and it, it worked at the outlet too, which was good. Oh man. Um, <laughs> but Jeez. but yeah, I mean that was that was a game changer for me. Um, I was I was there for about two and a half years before we moved back east. Um, but but yeah, just, just, it, it, I really sunk my teeth in there because of the process and, and because of, especially the packaging process, um, because we, 
it was like the painting process for me because mm. you yeah. you got to concept and do sketches and 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 present your sketches and like figure it out and and you got like the you know the structure and sometimes you had to like tweak the die line and you had to like mm -hmm. you know kind of figure it out and and um we made physical mock-ups we were we were yeah. always like you know cutting and 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 gluing and um you know we had a big plotter printer and we were making things full scale and i mean it was it was just I and mean, you got the proof back and you approved the proof and it was just this whole process of um and then seeing it in the stores and figuring out where it was going to go and working with Viz Merch and, you know, all mm. that whole like kind of collaborative process that was. Sounds awesome. Actually. So, I mean, it was yeah. all, I mean, it was awesome. I, if we, if, I mean, if we wouldn't have decided to come back East to be closer to family, like I'd probably still be there. Um, well, we, we had an episode a few months ago where we talked about um, that they're, that in, in a, in a really in good situations, there is not necessarily a lot of difference between a fine artist, contemporary artist studio practice and a designer studio practice. And so mm -hmm. you, you kind of were getting to this already, but um, do you feel like there was something as you were going through that portfolio school or even in the way that you were interacting with in the workspace, is there something that you think was beneficial about having a, a, a kind of a painterly contextualization to what you were doing as a designer, like having those things almost hybridized together? Oh, for sure. Um, I think one of the big things was um, the ability to sketch and concept like that whole just drawing like a lot of people at portfolio school didn't draw. Yeah. Like at all. And and were when that part of it, even though it was simple stuff, like it was figuring out a logo or whatever, mm -hmm. like but we would have to do like 100 sketches for like one logo and and I'm like, okay, cool. Got it. You know, I'm good. But like there were people who just really froze mm -hmm. for the fact that they had to put something on paper, oh, like yeah. physically, yeah, yeah. like physically put something on paper and then pin it up to be discussed, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think just that act of like doing physical work or, or, a physical like on paper yeah, and yeah. then putting it up and talking about it like just that process for me was like was second nature like it was it was so like what i knew mm -hmm. but there were so many people like i have a good friend who came who, who was an accountant mm -hmm. who decided to become a designer oh wow and she was was had you know had creative like you know desires you know of mm -hmm. course and, and like had talent of course like as um kind of as like side projects and things like that but like for her career like she was she was an accountant you know she yeah. was like a hedge fund like accountant mm -hmm. or whatever yeah nobody's nobody's tacking your spreadsheets yeah. on the wall and being like let's talk about this <laughs> yeah right right yeah so so she, i mean it was like some of that stuff like it just that was kind of i felt i felt really good about where I was at the time. Um, and just like my, my, um, kind of familiarity with, with color, mm -hmm. um, was super helpful. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, just like the communication aspect, like just like being like, I can stand by my pin up, you know, pinned up work and, and discuss it. Or mm -hmm. I can, you yeah. know, I can give reasons about like why I did this or why I did that or whatever. And, 
that a lot of people struggle, you know, struggle with that. Well, this, you know, a, across the board in higher education, there's been a conversation in the last decade about the um, like almost the near extinction of soft skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's in every field. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's interesting to think about like the soft skills within the art world. Um, cause it sounds like a lot of what you're talking about is like the, the, the real big difference. Um, you know, like we, we rarely talk to folks where they're like, oh, it was obviously a talent difference. Like we don't hear that. Mm-mm. It's usually, it's usually a contextualization or application difference. Um, and I think that's, that's just a, an interesting thing to think about because I, I think that when you're approaching something like art school or an art career, the soft skills are kind of the last thing you think about. You don't think about those being like super enabling or disabling. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, and that's been all my experience with any design work I've ever done. Like there's almost an idea of like, well, we don't, we don't really care about the design if mm-hmm. you can't have the soft skills to serve it up in some way that actually makes us figure out what it's even about. Right. Right. So that's huge. Yeah. I mean, it was huge too. And in, in just in positions, I, I mean, roles I've had like jobs, like, or being able to, if, if there was a question like, well, why isn't it this way? You know, and, and where you can grab a piece of paper and like, you can show them, well, it's not this way because mm-hmm. it would look like this kind of thing. And like, I've even had like creative directors and things like, wow, you, you really just drew that. <laughs> And I'm like, like, well, yeah, like we, it's, we just talked about it being different. Like it's not magic. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. I mean, it's, it's just interesting. Like, I don't know. It, it was, I think that, um, I, I just think it, it served me well, I guess is what I'm saying. Like that, yeah. having that background, like, and even having the background of being an educator, like when I, when I got the role at, at crate, they, I didn't have that much design experience, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they were asking for someone, you know, that with two or three years of design experience, well, they were like, well, you, you know, you were a, a public school teacher. Like, I think you're set. Like you're, yeah. you know, like you're, yeah. you're, you, can, you can deal with you, corporate America. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And I, it was, it was just like, we were confident in, in, even though you didn't have maybe, you know, the mm-hmm. years in front of, in front of the, the screen, you know, it's for in terms of a designer, like, but you were, you know, right. you had enough like professional yeah. experience that, that we weren't, we weren't worried. No, that makes total sense. And I, so, I mean, I, with all of this, I mean, at some point we have to actually talk about your show, <laughs> right. You know I mean? Like you're, yeah, it's, yeah. it's such a fun conversation, yeah. but, but I think that, you know, with all this, it makes just a really fantastic fertile space to talk about the work that you have right now in the gallery. Um, that is up through the summer. So please let us know. We'd love to show you the show at any point because it is beautiful. And if you do not see it, you are missing out. Um, so you have this, just this just rich trove of just experiences and contexts and, um, I just want to say really, really quick. So what I like that I'm hearing is like, this is something that we're kind of formulating is if I was looking at, if I was trying to draw a circle around like what I think a maker is. So what I like is that you have knowledge. So it's like you have knowledge of teacher. So you've communicative, communicating knowledge, able to teach. Mm-hmm. And then you have, um, uh, I'd, I'd like to think that there's um, potential gross overlap between like a studio practice as a painter and a designer. That's what we've been talking about. And so you just illustrated part of what that is in the sense that 
as the culture becomes more atomized, you have you can have a person who's like, I'm an accountant. And it, because of the tools of like Photoshop and, you know, Adobe, and like I can step in and do this. And you can. Mm-hmm. And it, comp- it can compensate to a point and make many believe that these two things are siloed from each other. Mm-hmm. But they're really not because at the end of the day, when someone steps in and they're like, oh, you just drew that out. And, and also, you're not afraid to put your work up because you've been trained both to teach and to receive, to translate mm-hmm. audible, verbal communication into visual language and visual language into verbal language. Mm-hmm. And so you can teach, you have the desire to do it, and you have the know-how you know, to make it. And it's like, I think those are the three things that we keep coming back to as like core. Mm-hmm. And so just listening to you speak, I think that's really uh, one of the things that yeah. you never know how someone's, what their story is going to be. But like, right. it's actually really there with you. And, and I think it's really, I, this is what I can't get across to students any longer is they can't, they can't, ex- they, they, they want one of the three mm-hmm. and they don't want it very much. Yeah. Which is really problematic. And mm-hmm. I'm like, there will always be someone like yourself that it's going to be like, just like a matter of fact for you. Mm-hmm. And, and you're just going to step in and go this. And they're going to say, we'll take you. We will not take you. We'll not take you. We'll not take you. We'll take you because you can do it because mm-hmm. because it's not, you're not atomizing these things. Like there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a integration within yourself and they're not, they're not so polarized. Um, you know, it, like, you may have to like work in your day in and day out, like doing some design work or whatever. Uh, you may have to pit them against each other a little bit in order to separate and go make a painting, you know, right. um, which kind of gets us back to your point. But, but I just want to say like, I think that that's been even working with you, I think from like a professional level, like that's probably why it's been so easy working with you is because you have like, it's sort of like where professionalism actually is authentic and not a mm-hmm. contrivance. Yeah. And it's because it's it, the professionalism is a settledness with regards to what you actually know how to do. Mm-hmm. So then it just becomes reasonable for you to do this. It's not a contrivance. I'm not faking. I'm not compensating. I, it's just who I am. Right. It makes sense to do it this way. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's be- refreshing. Yeah. Because I've been in so many different types of environments. Mm-hmm. Like I've had to figure out how to like. <sighs> kind of present information to different audiences mm-hmm. like whether it was like yeah. small children like teenagers parents like you know creative directors colleagues yeah. like whatever i mean or online in person like you know and and i think too like i think people who are looking now i mean i've noticed like look looking to hire designers like i had you know i have a space in my house where if I'm on a Zoom call, like they can see if I don't blur out the background, they can see the the painting I'm working mm-hmm. on it behind me. And and that kind of I think played to my advantage, mm-hmm. like in in terms of interviewing, you know, I, when I was interviewing for my current job at Goldman Sachs, they, you know, the people talking to me would say, Oh, what's you know, what's behind you? And that would like, you know, delve into a conversation and you know, and, and sometimes they'll ask me, well, do you, you know, I'll say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to this exhibition this, this week or, or whatever. And, um, and they, you know, they're interested. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, well, you know, I, I really like that you do both things and yeah. that you, you know, are, are really, you know, kind of d- diversifying, I guess, and, mm-hmm. and have like more, um, with, which a lot of designers do, you know, yeah. have yeah, a yeah, lot of sure. like, you know, kind of side 
side projects and, and things like that going on. But uh, yeah, I think I think it it kind of the overlap plays plays to my yeah, strength. Yeah, yeah. And there's yeah. definitely a, like in the historic sense of design, mm-hmm. like uh, the designing the page, designing the composite. Like mm-hmm. It's in it's infused in the, the the work that we have up now currently. It's yeah. certainly there in a, in a yeah. in the best possible way. You know, like is a is a good thing. Um, I remember like uh, getting a critique early on from a professor I, professor I ended up admiring, but he was like, "You're like a lot of young artists. You're really good at design." And I was like, "What does that mean?" <laughs> and, and he's like, "You don't know how to paint yet." And I was like, "Wait, wait." Uh, and that, that turned into this huge conversation yeah. you know, over years, actually. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if I agree or disagree yet, but um, I, I, <laughs> just yeah. let us know. When you yeah, figure I'll, I'll figure it out. <laughs> Twenty years later, I'll let you know. Um, but so. So leading up, as Gareth brought up earlier, like leading up into the show, let's talk about this show, Extra in the Ordinary. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's nothing, I don't know if there's anything ordinary about the show. Uh, yeah, it's, it's super a lot muted of work. color palette. Yeah, uh, it's really. There's no um, no intense it's, depth. It's happening. very, it's, impo- just, yeah. it's a very dynamic show. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, it's really, Thank really you. good. Yeah, so talk about this work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... Everything um, within every composition I've um, collected and simplified and abstracted from something that I've seen. Mm-hmm. So um, the the current work, uh, the super current work um, within the last you know three months or so, um, a lot of it uh, the images were collected from a trip we took to Savannah in the fall. So I you know every place I go, um, whether whether it's a trip or just like kind of out walking the dog or, or whatever, like I'm collecting, um, even here in the last, you know, couple of days, um, I'm collecting images of, of things that, that, um, kind of tell my story in, in a way, um, with, you know, the time, the, the place, um, you know, where, you know, where I am and, and I, and those paintings, um, kind of describe that time and place. So, um, and then the, then the titles kind of lead into, um, you know, the inspiration or, or like where, where things are, are coming from. So, so yeah, every, all, I think there's 31 pieces. Um, so all 31 pieces were made, um, from like late 2020 to, to now. Um, and then, uh, yeah, every, every piece has, um, has a, is inspired by something I've seen. So none of it is kind of completely, I don't want to say arbitrary, but like, um, I try to think of it as representational abstraction Mm -hmm. because everything is something Mm -hmm. or was something that I, that I saw. So it's, it's kind of a way for me to make the work autobiographical, but also like, still live in that like formalist abstraction Mm -hmm. kind of genre. Um, but, but it has that story attached to it. Like Mm -hmm. I can, I can look at a painting and tell you exactly, you know, I can feel like I'm back where, where I was when I collected those things. And like, I collected those images and, and, um, and, uh, you know, and that, and that's kind of, it kind of tells, Tells each one tells the story of of the time and place of where mm-hmm. where it was. But you're not illustrating those. I mean, so it's no. not so it's not illustrated. It's not one to one real like one to one realism. No, um, I always make a distinction. Like I always say, like um, like realism is realism, and then there's photorealism, and a lot of times those are treated as 
synonyms and they're not right and then realism is often confused with believability because believability you could have a very believable abstraction in the sense that the effects work in such a way that there is a real space there it's believable you're hooked mm-hmm. and the work you make is very believable which in the sense that i mean um but it doesn't necessarily ensure that i land the plane squarely on the experience although there's a lot right. of specificity that pushes you to like the specificity is there and it, it forces you to, you have to deal with it. Um, it's not generic. And so you can't dismiss it the way you can something generic. So there's specificity. So right. there's believability and specificity and there's not illustration or some kind of uh, uh, photorealism no. pastiche thing going on. No. So it's a really interesting configuration. So there's a gap between your understanding, I guess, as a way of saying it, um, your access to the place and time and meaning of things, and you're you're comfortable letting that slip or uh, shift or be less clear. Yes, yeah. yes, like kind of be in the background. Yeah, um, yeah, and I and I think um, what I what I kind of do in terms of my process. So I I take the photos and then I make drawings from the photos, mm-hmm. and then I'm cutting up the drawings. And then making physical collage, kind of drawn collages of different. So it could be, so I'll take a piece of a photo, like not the whole photo. So then, so then it ends up being like, um, so maybe there's a corner of something like in a photo Mm -hmm. that is what I'm really drawn to. So then I'll like make a drawing of that and like cut, you know, cut maybe half of that. And then that's my, one of my building blocks. Right. And so then I'm, I'm, I'm having all these other pieces kind of laid out. So then I'm creating compositions that are still inspired by that same place or Mm -hmm. time, but they're, but they're not necessarily connected in any other physical way other than me putting them together. Yeah. 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 Yeah, When I, when I see your work, it it, like, As someone who predominantly sits within a space of design, like I think of process a whole lot. And so when I when I look at any work within a gallery or museum, I always like to think about my mind goes into like, okay, what's the kind of interior space that's being occupied as someone goes through the creation of this work mm-hmm. um, to get it to whatever sort of objecthood it has. And seeing the way you name your pieces, hearing you talk about how you make them and everything, it, there's a this sort of like collection, translation, transmission sort of steps that seem Mm -hmm. to emerge and so uh, the question that comes up from that is and this may sound weird but you know go with it where you will um within that sort of process that you're talking about like where is the heart of the work where would you say you're sitting down and you're really having to like fight with your content content to make it do what you want. Mm-hmm. You know, cause I think a lot of folks, especially outside of art would say, Oh, well obviously when you're slapping paint up there, that's a very skilled thing. But, but with how you're collecting and, and, and translating certain things, like, is that really where you feel the heavy lifting of your work is, or is it elsewhere? Yeah. I, I, I think it, I think it is elsewhere. I, I think, I think the he- almost the heaviest, the heaviest lifting is, is being aware of your, surroundings and like being like like just noticing things like and I think I think for some people that's not innate or or that's not you know like so I think I think of seeing things um as uh 
in an aesthetic way, like in, or in a formal way, like seeing something as like a really cool shape rather than the object that it actually is, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think, I think that's in a way the heaviest lift. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, and then the process of figuring out, like putting things together, I think too, like figuring out in terms of compositionally, like what's gonna, what's gonna work with what kind of thing and, and what's gonna be the focal point and what's gonna be, you know, what's gonna be kind of the secondary elements and things like that. So I think before even color comes into it, I think figuring that out um, is from, you know, from the observational point all the way to, to the, you know, the drawings and the collages and things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, you know, mentioning color, um, I mean, color is uh, massively important in what you're doing mm-hmm. um, because you can't, there, there's no ignoring it. Like you don't have, like you, you don't have little happy spaces of, of color that doesn't like kind of impede on the audience. Like it's, it's all there very active and vibrant. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of, of kind of the, the overall palette, it doesn't feel like restrictively consistent but there is mm-hmm. uh, an environmental quality to all of it. So how do you how do, how do you kind of uh, come into a space where you're you're then taking that into the color space and saying these are this is how the application continues? Yeah. So um, with color, I usually um, choose two warm colors and two cool colors mm-hmm. to as kind of like my start, my starting point, and then within those kind of four general colors, then I'm I'm kind of expanding on, you know, on value, on, you know, neutrality, on, on, you know, more, you know, kind of vibrancy or or amount of saturation, Mm -hmm. I guess. Um, So I'm, I'm taking those like four core kind of colors and then using those throughout, depending on if I want something to sit back or push forward or, um, or, or have a relationship you know, next to one another or something like that. So, um, so that's kind of how I start with color. Um, and I, I'm combining, um, acrylic in thick and thin applications, depending on, on the space and also some, um, some spray paint. So I, I'm, I think I'm considering, um, like texture, visual texture, not necessarily like actual texture, but, um, but how all of that's going to like play. So if, if like, if there's this, uh, area where I think it needs to be kind of more of an atmospheric, like gradient, then, you know, then that is, is part of it, you know, and, yeah. and that's, and, and maybe I'll take two of the colors and like, you know, fuse that in. Um, so I, I that's kind of how I, you know, kind of get started. And, um, and if something along the pro along the way, needs to be, you know, added or subtracted or, or something, then, then, you know, so be it. But mm-hmm. yeah. so there's also, so there's the, um, Hans Hoffman quote, like color makes light. Um, and so there's a lot of, uh, illuminos- like illumination or luminosity in your painting. Mm-hmm. Um, is that incidental to the color making light or are you thinking about mm-hmm. light or luminosity in the paintings? Because there are some paintings that are really, there's like, they're illuminated sort of Mm -hmm. like they're light within. And then there's like 
areas that almost act as cast shadows that track with a color mm-hmm. and it creates that effect, you know, so there, so there's like these uh, different sensibilities that are kind of uh, working throughout. Yeah. I think, I think both, like, I think I'm, I think the act, the paint itself is creating kind of luminosity, but I also think that, that in addition to like having this, like building the structure, I'm also wanting to put the structure like kind of in an environment in a mm-hmm. way which is where I'm kind of playing with the space around the thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where maybe where the, like the environmental aspects come in. So like the, the cast shadows Mm -hmm. of the object or, or like the atmospheric kind of like gradients going on in the background. So I'm also, I'm thinking about the space that it sits in, in Mm -hmm. addition to the structure that's built, uh, you know, itself. Yeah. Because they're kind of like, if you think of them as worlds that you're like, what constitutes the world you're making, mm-hmm. there is an, there is a kind of environment, but it's not necessarily an easy environment to exist within, Mm-mm. but it's an, it's an inviting environment, mm-hmm. but it's not an easy environment, which is a weird paradox. You know, like yeah. you can, you can, because your sense of scale, I was saying before, when you look at the work, the effect on you is your sense of scale is messed with, mm-hmm. um, your orientation towards what's happening between sort of, um, figure ground relationships, objects that gather and then like do something oftentimes I keep, when I keep looking, they do things that are paradoxical to your expectation. Like when something enlarges and draws something else forward, uh, oftentimes what it's drawing forward is something that's moving backwards and it's mm-hmm. this weird, uh, um, elusiveness. Um, and then there's these open spaces that seem really effective that, are, that become sort of the, the world environment. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, the work kind of greets you off the, off the canvas Mm -hmm. like it's it's not um the introspective moments are in the world but there's a lot of um grabbing you before you get to the the quieter spaces Mm -hmm. if that makes sense yeah and so um so i think that's what makes them really interesting is they're like disarming and then if you like you if you if you're taking like the metaphor of world like what constitutes that world is um so like put it another way uh, a person could look and go oh bright colors playful mm-hmm. and and it's like yeah but you you actually the more you look you're like oh i can't actually play in this world there's like something yeah. more serious going on mm-hmm. and it's actually harder than than just me kind of taking it easy there's like a demand or a toughness to the work yeah yeah, yeah. i think i think the colors are super playful at first glance um and and they're they're fun for me yeah. like to to you know to work on but but I, yeah, I also think that there's there because of the structure and like the, the kind of complexity that a lot of them have mm-hmm. that I think it is, it is meant to challenge mm-hmm. in addition to being like just fun, bright yeah. colors. Yeah. And I think that I think that's like one of the most, um, in engaging tensions about the work that I find really compelling, especially as someone who loves painting and loves to look at it. Um, and, uh, also I guess I want to say that because it's, it's a reason to come see the show. Yeah. Cause you got to really see it. There's mm-hmm. things that, you know, there's, there's things going on in the paintings that you may not be able to catch in full, like on your phone, on Instagram or something. Right. It really, really is something you have to see in person. I think. Yes. Uh, I mean, that's all we've been talking about. It's like, Oh man, these are, I mean, I loved your work, you know, in a printed form and in a, <laughs> on Instagram, but I'm like, I love it way better in person. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, um, it's, I mean, it's hard to. And we were talking about this yeah. the other day. Like it's hard to photograph mm-hmm. 
work that has the complexities that these end up having, you know, mm. and it, it's, it's hard to represent that in yep. like a print, a printed, I mean, with, with neon colors, I mean, print is, is tough, but, um, but even digital, you know, digitally on screen, it's, yeah. it's tough to, to get any kind of like texture or like, um, physicality mm-hmm. of it, um, in a digital form. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a as as you're talking about it, Ryan. It's it's funny because the place my mind goes, um, if you're to look at just like values, completely different values. But um, I think about some of the the street sequences in like Blade Runner, where there are all these these things that are like in scales that you're having to question of the relationships within the space. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though it's a very like I said, very different uh, like values uh, for both of those images, there's there's something that like. You know, a still of a street from Blade Runner, like, does not do the the, the due diligence that a that the moving image does. Mm-hmm. In the same sort of way that the flattened just photograph mm-hmm. of this doesn't allow you to actually fall into some of those spaces. Because when we were uh, before we started recording, we were over there, and I said, you know, a few of these they give you almost this this sense of vertigo as they like suck you into like some of these these like restful spots mm-hmm. um, because it feels. Um, like in the way that you've seen that played out in film, the the idea of vertigo of like mm-hmm. looking down and things that just have that depth and you see it, but it has a gravity to the depth. So yeah, especially in the Hitchcock movies. Yes. You know, the actual movie vertigo, but and also yeah. the, some of the stuff he does with camera tricks. Oh yeah, the, the movement yeah. of camera wall aperture changes yeah. that gives you the feeling of being sucked into something. Yeah. Like there are moments that are that uh, that. somewhat transfixing within these spots that just do not like they're 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 fun surprises mm-hmm. that you find yourself in that it's only there when you're actually like so, dealing with the object yeah. in its reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And on and maybe the thing that I think this is gonna sound snarky, I guess, but there is a lot of abstraction where you can tell the person doesn't know what they're doing, mm-hmm. but they're emulating things they've seen. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to like the next tier within the um, sort of the inscape of the painting, the interiority or whatever of the painting, like the inner dynamism, the things and the way they work and like, like why there's like a little light color on the edge of a shape and yeah. how it pushes something forward and knocks like these, these little things, these little particularities often are missing or you can see like, it's like it, it, it they go dull. The work goes dull. So it, it looks image wise like abstraction, if you will, mm-hmm. but then it doesn't, doesn't land in terms of specificity. It's like, there's like a lack of understanding and with your work, it actually is totally there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, it actually is there. And that's why I'm like, it's, it's refreshing to see. Cause it's like the follow through. It's sort of like when you set up, um, you know, if I said one, two, three, four, and you'd say five, that's the follow through. Like there's, there's these setups in the work that are unique and specific. And there's like a follow through to where this can go. Mm-hmm. And whenever I look at your paintings, like I was looking at one today and I was like, Oh, like there's this, like that big yellow one, there's this little moment. And then there's like this little orange piece and it, it goes narrow just enough to make this other shape, like nudge out and not just be a flat design. Like, and that creates like a shallow space that actually has a lot to do with then how the big yellow space behind it actually recedes and becomes atmosphere. And so when you're looking at those things, you're like, you're looking for that. Yeah. And a lot of painting, uh, you can tell when someone hasn't studied like still life or landscape or figure mm-hmm. in their abstraction because they're just appropriating stylistically. Right, right. And I, and I think 
the the super important thing for me is like not only to live in the abstract the world of abstraction but also to have it grounded in reality mm-hmm. and i think i think people sometimes stereotype abstract abstraction as as oh it's it's just willy-nilly like it's not like it's not connected to anything it's not it's just out of your head or whatever Mm -hmm. like and i and i don't i don't agree with that at all um for a lot of historic i mean historically like abstraction you know um and and even contemporary abstraction but um but I, i i i like that play between like reality and like the the formal abstraction yeah. in in like the in that way like mm-hmm. because i think it it not only has like kind of gives some talking points or whatever like gives yeah. it context but for, for me like personally personal context but i think it also allows the viewer to consider what they're seeing mm-hmm. in their kind of day-to-day as maybe something a little more than yeah. just ordinary you know yeah yeah i think and that's, that's my on. hope like that's my hope that people look at it and say and then look maybe look at the titles and say oh i can i can kind of see that like maybe i should pay more attention or mm. you know what i mean yeah. like that yeah yeah I, if you think of it it's like a if the ends are enriched so it's like if you said the the goal is a kind of for better, lack of a better way of saying it, enrichment so if i'm enriched or you know, if I said if I said nourished, enriched, a, a more enriched and nourished person actually qualitatively exists a little differently than someone who's malnourished and mm-hmm. has lack of enrichment. And so, like those two people exist out of have or have not in very different ways. Mm-hmm. And so, if you said that the arts can do that, then it has import or impact on the nature of human beings. And how we live and have our being and do things, mm-hmm. and so like there is a um, a significance to what you just said and a value to what you just said that you can't quantify. Like you know the way you the way you you do some things. You know you buy a bar of soap at Walmart or something like that, and it's a, this price, and that makes sense. But but um, you know we're not merely consumers in that reductive way. Uh, right. We're something more than that. Um, and so I think what you're describing gets at the more, more than that's kind of like Gareth saying, like how, you know, even something like, like baking a, a loaf of bread mm-hmm. is like this expansion and then, and then it's uh, permeable and it smells great and it involves your hands and it gets messy, but then it gets clean and then you can do things to it and it, you can extend it to people. It's like, we practice these kinds of things all the time, mm-hmm. um, but we've over categorized their values to the exclusion of their interrelationships. And so then we don't see them um, as 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 being more than they necessarily are. And so what you're talking about to me is also tracks with like sort of the history of of painting and a lot of painters who would like um, use the uh, the kind of the anointing uh, ability of paint to esteem that which has not been esteemed, like peasants or right, you know, um, like Van Gogh's some of Van Gogh's work, let's say, or something mm-hmm. like that. Just as a pop example. Um, and I think that is some of the the bestowing of value or the humanizing power of art making is when we use it to illuminate the world we find ourselves in that so many are eager to vacate and take for granted. 
Right. You know, so. Right. And I, I think the approachability factor to it as well, like people that, you know, maybe think that, that, you know, fine art or, or, or white cube, you know, gallery art is, is kind of above, above them or beyond Mm -hmm. them or, or, or is not for them. And I think, I think I, I'm also trying to like bridge that gap between Mm -hmm. like, like, yeah, it can live in that space, but like it's grounded in, in, uh, you know, common things in, Mm -hmm. in, in like relatable things. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, I think that's really important for, you know, for the art world Mm -hmm. in, in that keeping that like connection between like, yes, it's, it's art and it's in, it, maybe it's in this gallery space that maybe you've never been in, but but it still has that like kind of approachability or yeah. like, um, gr- you know, it's grounded in something. Yeah. It comes from somewhere. Yeah. yeah and it's, it's right. hold, it's bringing that somewhere to bear in a, in a new place. So that's like a, a weaving, you know, it's a yeah. weaving of environments and experiences and, uh, which is, uh, I think really significant. And if you start to really think about that, um, so yeah, I'm really excited about this show. Uh, me too know, strongly <laughs> encourage folks to contact yes. us and come out and see it working uh maybe in closing working how can people get a hold of you where can they see more of what you do and yeah um so i'm pretty active on instagram um it's uh at jen smalley with a y so j-e-n-s-m-a-l-l-y um and then my website is jsmallcreative.com which i um keep pretty updated um not super lately but yeah uh, i wonder why you've probably been working a lot yeah uh but it will be updated um soon but um but yeah you can reach out um through that and and on instagram so awesome awesome yeah Yeah. this has been great this has been fantastic yeah Yeah, thank you guys so much for the opportunity i really appreciate it it's our pleasure it's been nothing but a pleasure so far so uh we're we're very happy to do it uh very pleased to have you uh as a part of what shock horror space does um and so thank you so much for giving us your time today, Jen. Yeah, um, thank you. Like Ryan said, let us know if you want to come see the show. We're happy to open the doors uh, for you. Um, you are a fantastic audience. We love each and every one of you, and we will catch you next time. Peace. You've been listening to Shaco Art Speak, a production of Shaco Art Space. We are an independent, nonprofit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia. We can be found online at shacoartspace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottle.